In 2017, I coordinated nine events just in the fall alone. The year went great, and all the events went off without a hitch. It wasn't until the following year that I felt the effects of event burnout. This is a cautionary tale, and I want you to learn from my mistakes. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the ways in which burning out manifested in my life and how I do things differently today to avoid it. Planning events is stressful. If I'd been paying attention, I might have spotted the signs that I was starting to burn out from events. Please keep in mind that I'm not a therapist and I'm not giving any type of mental health advice. This is simply my experience. Here were my symptoms or signs of burnout. Sign number one was a lack of motivation. When I say that I love events, I'm not exaggerating. I recently posted a quote on Instagram from Ralph Waldo Emerson. The quote says, you become what you think about all day long. I did and still do think about events constantly. However, in 2018, the year after I had nine events in the fall, I was doing everything I could to not think about events. I dreaded event meetings, and I would put off tasks until the very last minute. Sign number two, lack of creativity. I was really just going through the motions that year. I, there was no creativity in anything I was doing personally or professionally. One of my favorite things to do is to surf Pinterest. I look for ideas for events in unlikely places, and then I tweak those ideas to fit the client, the cause, or the theme. During my year of burnout, I didn't even enjoy looking at Pinterest. I know, insert a big gasp here. Sign number three was health issues and social withdrawal. My burnout started showing up physically too. I was tired all the time. I developed insomnia, which is something I struggle with to this day. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was eating terribly and not exercising, also something I still struggle with to this day. The lack of sleep and not taking care of myself led to me avoiding social and networking situations. I didn't want people to see how much weight I'd gained or how tired I looked. Sign number four, conflicts at home. Because I was stressed all the time, my family, my poor family, got the brunt of my crabbiness. I would yell at my kids for the smallest of offenses. My husband would tiptoe around me during my crabby phases. The littlest things could set me off. Sign number five, feeling like a failure. I have very high standards for myself. And when a person is overloaded like that, like I was, there's just no way to maintain those levels of standards. Something has to give. And I constantly felt like I was letting myself and my clients and my family down, which is no way to operate a business or have a home life. I recently saw a quote that said, if you don't pick a day to relax, your body will pick it for you. And that's basically what happened. I hit a wall. I burned out, whatever you want to call it. Events, the thing that had once been the source of so much joy for me, became a burden. Now, I'm not saying that every day of my life prior to this was pure bliss. 
Life isn't always rosy and everyone has bad days, but I never once doubted that events would be my passion for the rest of my life until that year. That year, I doubted everything about myself. I even started exploring other career paths such as real estate. I finally did something bold, something I never dreamed I could or would do. I cut way back on my event schedule. I started saying no to some events so that I could really focus on the ones that were important to me. Now, not everyone can or should take such drastic measures, and I'm not advocating for that. I'm hoping that by sharing my tale of burnout, that I can prevent you from experiencing it or at least recognizing some of the signs. So here's what I've learned from my mistakes and what I'm doing to avoid burning out again. Number one is to just say no. I've learned that just because I can do something doesn't mean I should. And I learned that the hard way. Burning out helped me learn the value of my time and only take on things that I truly wanted or needed to do. I'm a people pleaser, and I had a very bad habit of saying yes to things whether I wanted to do them or not. Now I really take time to evaluate if I want to do something or need to do it, and only say yes if I truly do. If you're adding more events to your schedule, take time to evaluate if you're doing it because you think you need to or because it's what everybody else is doing. Don't just plan another event for the sake of it. Make sure the event serves a purpose and has a viable target audience. Number two, create written processes and have systems in place. The key word here is written. Don't rely on notepads or post-it notes or your memory for to-do lists. Episode 13 of this podcast, This One Thing Will Make Your Life Easier, is all about the importance of having documented processes, procedures, and systems. Not only is it a mistake to rely on your memory from a personal standpoint, because it could lead to burnout if you're constantly reinventing the wheel, it's also bad for consistency. You want your event guests to have a consistent experience. And if you're relying on your memory from year to year, you're going to forget something. Trust me on this. It's one of the reasons I switched to using Asana for event timeline management. I can create an event timeline template that I use from year to year. I simply copy the template and update it for the current event. I can also assign tasks to volunteers and they'll get an email before those tasks are due. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of event planning. Everyone knows what they have to do and when. Assigning tasks to volunteers brings up another lesson I learned, which is to delegate or don't be afraid to ask for help. There's no way to pull off an event on your own. Be sure to recruit a great team of volunteers to help you tackle all of those tasks. You may have to spend some time on the front end preparing for those volunteers, but it's going to pay off in the long run. Like anything in life, this is a process. I'm still not perfect, but I have gotten so much better. I've learned to say no without a ton of guilt. Well, I might feel a little guilty at first, but that eventually subsides and relief sets in. I'm relieved that I said no to some things. I've created written templates and procedures for events and use tools like Asana so that I don't have to commit things to memory. 
and I'm learning to delegate more tasks and ask for help when I need it. For today's listener action item, you can pick one of these or do them all. And these are based on the lessons that I learned. So number one is just say no to something. Obviously, this isn't about saying no to something just because you don't want to do it. But there's probably something you said yes to because you felt guilty or you thought you'd make someone feel bad if you didn't do it. It's probably something that's been weighing on your mind. I tend to get that nagging little feeling when I've agreed to something out of a perceived obligation. So pick something that's weighing on you and just say no. Number two, create a written process or a template. Pick one thing that you do frequently, but you struggle each time that you have to do it to remember exactly how you did it the last time and write down the steps as you do it so you'll remember next time. And it doesn't have to be perfect the first time around. Just get it in writing and then you can tweak it as you go. And then number three is to delegate or ask for help. Is there something on your to-do list that you can delegate to someone else or get help on it? Are you holding on to control of something that you don't need to? Just let it go. All right, I won't sing the Frozen song for you, but you get it. Let someone else take it over. And don't forget to be thankful and grateful when they do it better than you could because they just gave you the gift of freeing up your time. Don't take it as a sign of weakness. Learning to delegate is actually a strength. If you can relate to any of my experience I shared, you might be suffering from event burnout. If you feel there's something more serious going on, by all means, please, please, please seek help from a professional. As I said, I'm not a therapist. I just wanted to share my experience because oftentimes we feel compelled to share only the good stuff, you know, the shiny, happy stuff. I'm happy to say that by cutting back on my workload to focus on events that truly mattered to me or filled needs that I had, whether that was financial or personal, and taking small steps toward improvement, I have regained my love for events. And in fact, I would say even more so, I feel like more connected to events, which I hope shines through in this podcast. My goal is that you learn from my mistakes and learn to set boundaries, create systems that work for you, and ask for help when you need it. Now that sounds like a plan. That's all for today. I'll see you next week.